Well, today my message is entitled, The Promise of the Father. It's the very last message in our God's Power Continues series. And so let's begin by looking at what our Heavenly Father is like. Now in your bulletin, there's a white page. I'd encourage you to pull it out. The white page has the outline. We've got quite a few verses this morning. And you can follow along on the screen or in your bulletin. You can take notes there as well. On the back of the outline is a study guide. And the study guides are often used in our small groups. But because of Father's Day, uh, the Sunday night groups won't be meeting today. Uh, but you can do these on your own as well to dig in a little more deeply, uh, to apply God's, to understand and apply God's word to your life. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. And so we have a heavenly father and he gives us everything that's good in our life. If you have anything good in your life and we all have good things in our life, it came from him. He gives us every good and every perfect gift, everything that's beautiful in our lives. Our heavenly father is a giver. He's a giver of good gifts. He doesn't give bad gifts. He gives good gifts. And as earthly fathers, we ought to receive God's good gifts. If God has a gift for us, we should welcome it into our lives. God wants us, wants to bless us. We need to welcome and receive his gifts. And we need to teach our children as earthly fathers to receive God's good gifts into their lives as well. Luke 11 says, which Jesus says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And so as an earthly father, if our child comes up to us and asks us for a gift, we're not going to give him a gift that's going to harm him. We're not going to give him a gift that's not good for our child. And in the same way, our heavenly father, in an even greater degree, gives good gifts to his children. If they ask him for something, he's going to give them something that's good for them, something that's going to bless them. And here, one of God's best gifts, the Holy Spirit, is mentioned as a gift that God's children must ask for. Asking for the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. Here, Jesus is referring to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And yet, many believers don't ask God for this gift. Perhaps they feel they don't need it. Perhaps they don't feel they don't want it. But our Heavenly Father only gives what kind of gifts? Good gifts. Everything that he gives is a good gift to be desired and to be received. We need every good gift he has for us. Jesus says again in Luke 24, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And so here Jesus refers to the baptism in the Holy Spirit as the Father's promise. A wonderful promise. A promise to be clothed with the power that we need to live the lives that God calls us to. Jesus refers to it again in Acts 1. He gave them this command. He says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so here we clearly see that the promise of the Father, the gift from the Father is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And we've seen as we've gone through this, spirit, this series in the book of Acts, that promise began to be fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. 
when the early disciples were baptized in the Holy Spirit. But that was just the beginning because the promise of the Father is for everyone. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. He said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise, the Father's promise, is for you and your children and for all who are afar off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And so the promise of the Father is for fathers. The promise of the Father is for their children. The promise is for every believer. And so as fathers, we need to set an example by receiving the gift that God has for us and then making sure that our children receive the promise as well. Now up to now, as we've gone through the book of Acts, we've gone through the first nine chapters, covering a lot of the things there, not everything. In this series, we've seen only Jewish believers receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit, receiving the promise of the Father. What of Gentile believers? Was the promise really for everyone of all time? Today, as we go through Acts chapter 10, we're going to answer those questions and some others as well. We're going to see that God reveals himself to seekers. Our story begins in verse 1 of Acts 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in, which was known, in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. And so our story begins with a father. He had a family. His name was Cornelius. He was a Roman soldier. And as such, he was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. But he feared God. He gave to the poor. He prayed regularly. In other words, Cornelius was seeking after God, but he had not yet been introduced to Jesus Christ. And as we'll see, God noticed that Cornelius was seeking after him. He chose to further reveal himself to Cornelius. And so God sent an angel to visit Cornelius in a vision to give him further direction. And so this angel appears before Cornelius. Verse 4, Cornelius stared at him in fear. I mean, here's a Roman soldier, a centurion in charge of hundreds of men. And this angel appears and he's afraid. Angels are scary dudes, okay? And uh, they are very awesome. And he says, what is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now, send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. And so interestingly, the angel did not tell Cornelius about Jesus. He simply told Cornelius, first of all, that God had noticed his prayers and his gifts. Cornelius was not yet a believer in Jesus Christ, but God had noticed that he was seeking after God. And then the angel told him to send men to ask Peter to come and visit. And so Cornelius had a choice to make. What was he going to do? Was he going to obey what the angel said or not? In order to learn more about God, obedience is required. Verse 7, when the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. And so Cornelius, he didn't hesitate. He called two servants. He called a trusted soldier. And it's interesting, he told them everything. He didn't say, just go to Joppa and get Peter. No, he told them about the angel appearing. He wanted them to understand that 
something supernatural was in the work. Something was happening. Something he'd never experienced before. And so he sent them off to get Peter. Cornelius knew that something wonderful was about to happen to him and his family. Now, just as Cornelius was seeking after God, today there are many people seeking after God who haven't found him yet. They're seeking after God in many different ways. When people are pursuing different religions, they're seeking after God. But they haven't found him because they're not seeking in the right place. Because God can only be found through Jesus Christ. And so only through true Christianity can seekers find Jesus in a relationship with God. And so as believers, rather than getting upset with people pursuing and seeking after God in the wrong places, people who have not yet found Jesus, let's pray for them. Because they have hungry hearts, just as Cornelius did. They know there's something in their life that's missing. And they're seeking for it in all the wrong places. Let's pray for those we know who are seeking after God in churches that are devoid of God's power. Let's pray for those who are seeking God in wrong and false religions. Which is Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism. I could name all of them. They're all false religions. You're not going to find God in those. Let's pray for those people seeking in the wrong places. Pray that God would reveal Himself to fathers. Studies show that when a father becomes a believer, invariably the rest of the family follows. And so God wants fathers to become believers and lead their families, as we'll see happened with Cornelius. Next, we learn that the good news is for everyone. We don't have time to cover the entire chapter of Acts 10. It's a long chapter, but just as God revealed himself to Cornelius through an angel in a vision... God revealed his will to Peter through a vision as well. And so you have Cornelius over here, an angel appearing, Peter in a different place, seeing a vision. Peter had been taught that Jews were clean, that they had, uh, were able to have a relationship with God, and yet Gentiles were unclean. You needed to stay away from them because they couldn't have the same relationship with God. And so God showed Peter in a vision. He showed him that the gospel is for all men. Jesus died for everyone, Jew and Gentile alike. There was no more distinction between Jew and Gentile. They were all invited to be part of God's family. I'd like us to watch a short video clip from the AD series, which uh, completes tonight on NBC at 8 p.m. It summarizes God's revelation to both Cornelius and to Peter. So God worked on both sides, on Cornelius' side, Peter's side, and Peter accompanies the three men to Cornelius' house, the house of a Gentile. Previously, Peter would not have stepped into that house for fear of being unclean, but he walked into Cornelius' house, and he began to share about Jesus with the Gentiles who had gathered there with Cornelius' family. Verse 34 Peter began to speak and said, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. And so Peter had heard the message loud and clear. He'd got what God was saying to him. Peter was now ready to be a witness for Jesus, even 
even in what he'd previously considered to be an unclean house with unclean Gentiles. He now understood that because of Jesus, there was no difference between Jew and Gentile. Both must come through faith in Jesus who is available to everyone, to all people. Jesus brings peace with God. Peter goes on in verse 36. He says, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. And so Jesus Christ came to this earth, Peter is preaching, to bring peace. First of all, peace with God. Secondly, peace with our fellow man. Jesus is Lord of all. And as we bow our knee, as we submit our lives to him, we go from being his enemy to becoming his friend, to having peace with God. That peace with God comes through faith in Jesus as he forgives our sins. Verse 43, Peter says, All the prophets testify about him, that is Jesus, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. The Old Testament is full of prophets. Many books of prophecy in the Old Testament, but all the prophets testify about Jesus. Oh, they don't use the name Jesus, but they are filled with prophecies of the coming Messiah, who Jesus Christ was. And so these prophets prophesied that believing in Jesus, believing in this coming Messiah, would bring forgiveness of our sins in the name of Jesus. And the sin problem is the biggest problem the human race faces. Sin is at the root of every evil that we see in our world. Sin is the cause of the distance there is between man and God. Sin separates us from God. It places us in rebellion against Him. And there's only one antidote for sin. It's forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Forgiveness through Jesus' death and resurrection removes our guilt. It removes our punishment for sin because Jesus paid the price for our sin when He died on the cross. It allows us to enter into a relationship with God. No other religion, and you can name dozens of other religions, can give us peace with God, can bring forgiveness for our sins. And once our sins are forgiven, we can have this peace with God. We can have a relationship with our Creator, the One who made us. And so the good news of Jesus is for everyone without exception. And so God was moving supernaturally. And what was His goal? Supernaturally in Cornelius' life, in Peter's life, it was to bring the Gospel to Cornelius and his family so that they could become believers and join God's family. And God wants to use us. God wants to use you to bring the good news of Jesus to people around you, people you know, people you love, people like Cornelius who may believe in God. They may even fear God. They may be good to the poor. They may pray every day good people. But however, just like Cornelius, they're headed for hell because they haven't embraced Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Peter didn't come to Cornelius' house and find out a little about him and say, wow, Cornelius, you're a pretty good guy. You fear God. 
You give your money to the poor. You pray every day. What more do you need? I guess I'll be on my way. Cornelius was a good person. He was a seeker after God. But Peter understood that without Jesus, all someone's good works are of no consequence because the sin issue has not been dealt with. And so we, like Peter, must be bold to present Jesus Christ to those that we know, to those that God has put in our circle of influence. To present Jesus as crucified, raised on the third day, which means He's alive today. And He's raised to be the Lord and Savior. And only faith in His name brings forgiveness of the sins that we all need. So ask God to use you to bring good news the good news of Jesus to those you know who are seeking God in so many different ways. But telling Cornelius about Jesus was not the end of the story. For Peter, there was more. He understood that the Father's promise is for all of God's children. Now remember, Peter was the one who preached on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. There are three things that every person needs according to Peter. First of all, everyone needs to repent and put their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. And Peter has already proclaimed that to Cornelius and his family. Secondly, everyone needs the promise of the Father, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, for power to live. And thirdly, everyone needs to be baptized in water. And so as Peter preached to Cornelius and his family, as he revealed the truth about Jesus Christ, they all believed. They all put their faith and trust in Jesus. And then everyone who believed was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, that's the Jews, who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. And so Peter and his family, they were ready for Jesus. They weren't arguing about it. They were hungry for more of God. They wanted everything that God had for them. And so everyone in the room believed in Jesus, put their faith and trust in Him. And without any waiting period, the Holy Spirit came on these hungry new believers. And each one was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the Jews that were there with Peter were astounded because they hadn't seen this vision that Peter had. They didn't really understand They were astounded, astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been given to the Gentiles. How did they know that these new believers had been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, again, the evidence of spirit baptism was speaking in tongues. It says in verse 46, For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And so the Jews that had come with Peter knew that Cornelius' household, everybody there had received the baptism in the Holy Spirit because they heard them speaking in tongues, speaking in languages they had not learned, praising God for working wonders in their life. And so Peter knew now that only one thing was missing. We've got two out of three. What was missing? Okay, water baptism. Hope you're getting this now. Three things. One was missing. Water baptism was necessary to confirm their faith. Uh, and then Peter said, verse 46, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And so we ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. 
And so salvation must come first. And we see as we've gone through the book of Acts that the order of being baptized in water and baptized in the Holy Spirit can be reversed. Those two don't have to be in any particular order. But usually water baptism, well, I shouldn't say. They can be reversed. Usually in the book of Acts, water baptism comes first, but it really doesn't matter. Here we see Peter's confirmation that the reception of the baptism of the Holy Spirit was just as Peter and the other disciples had experienced on the day of Pentecost. And so all the new believers in Cornelius' household were baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. And so Cornelius now had been initiated as a believer through the three steps that Peter preached about on the day of Pentecost. They were saved by faith in Jesus Christ, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they were baptized in water. And so God had now dramatically shown that the promise of the Father was not just for Jews, but it was for Gentiles. Jew and Gentile encompasses everyone on the face of the earth. It's for everyone. So the promise of the Father is for every believer. It's a gift. It's a gift from our Heavenly Father. It's not, it's not optional. It doesn't make you say, but it's required for you to fully experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's required for you to fulfill God's plan for your life in its fullness. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our family, just as Cornelius and his family needed it. And so if you're a father here today, are you seeking after God as Cornelius was? Are you hungry for everything that God has for you? Cornelius led his family to Christ. He led the way and they followed behind. Cornelius believed the very first time he heard the good news about Jesus. He had a hungry heart for the Holy Spirit. He invited him in. And he freely submitted his life to be baptized in water. Let God use you as a father this morning, as a spiritual leader to lead your entire family to follow Jesus with all their hearts, with all their souls, with all their minds. Let God use you to bring many more seekers to Jesus Christ as well. This morning, if you're not sure that you're a believer, if you're not sure that you have peace with God, that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity. We're going to pray in a minute. And if you've never prayed a prayer like this, or perhaps you have prayed in the past, but you've drifted away from God, and you want to recommit your life to Him this morning, I'd encourage you to pray a prayer like this. First of all, to admit that you've sinned, that you've done wrong things. Secondly, to believe. To believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, arose from the dead, that your sins might be forgiven. And see, to commit your life to following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So let's bow our heads right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer. I encourage you to follow along with me. God knows your thoughts. He knows the intentions of your heart. It's not a matter of getting every word just right. It's a matter of your heart attitude. Father, today we admit that we've sinned. We've done wrong things. We've gone our own way rather than following you. But we believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, took our sins upon himself, 
paid the penalty, arose from the dead on the third day, that we might be forgiven. Forgive us of our sins. Come into our lives. We commit ourselves to following Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, to following His plan and purpose for our lives all our days. In Jesus' name. And for those of us who are believers this morning, let's pray as well. Father, we thank You. We thank You that You reveal Yourself to those who are sincerely seeking after You. You make a way for each person sincerely seeking after God to discover Jesus. Help us to fully understand that even the good people in our lives that believe in God and even pray, they still need Jesus and His forgiveness. We thank You for the promise of the Father, the gift of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. May each person here receive it. May we lead others into the power that we all need as well. We're grateful for this wonderful power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we, we ask that You would help us and help our church to continue to reach more and more people for Jesus. And this morning, God, our hearts are heavy with the tragedy that has occurred in Charleston this past week. And Lord, we pray for that church. We pray for those families whose loved ones have been taken so in such an evil fashion. We pray for comfort for them, God. And we thank You, God, for the Christ-like examples of forgiveness that we've seen from those who have lost so much demonstrating your love even to someone as evil as that murderer. God, we pray that somehow out of this you would cause good to come and that your name would be lifted up. We pray, God, that you would bring together in unity believers of every race, every color, every nationality across our nation here in St. Louis and here at Life Church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.